Hello and welcome to Inside Music. As always, I'm your host, James Shotwell, and it is great to be with you again. My guest this episode is none other than the platinum certified super producer, Tommy Prophet whose debut album will be out before the end of 2020. Now, Tommy has worked with many of the biggest stars in music today, including NF, Chris Tomlin, Toby Mac, and many more. We're going to talk about those adventures to some extent in this conversation, but we really focus on Tommy's personal adventure in music, how he went from a kid in Grand Rapids, Michigan, to being embraced with open arms by the Nashville community and everything that he's learned along the way. This is a conversation for the dreamer and all of us and how you can make those dreams a reality. But before we get there, I need to tell you a few quick things. First and foremost, this episode of Inside Music, like every episode of the show, is brought to you by Holix, the music industry's leading promotional distribution company. Holix works with record labels, publicists, and independent artists to share new and unreleased music without fear of piracy. To learn how they do that and get your free 30-day trial, visit holix.com. That's H-A-U-L-I-X.com. You should also check us out on YouTube, our channel is called Music Biz. That's Music B-I-Z. And of course, be on the lookout for Tommy's debut album arriving later this year. But right now, all you need to do is sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with the one and only Tommy Prophet. All right, Tommy, let's start off real simple, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great today, man. I just got a shower, grabbed a bottle of water, and I'm talking to you. So couldn't get better than that right there. I mean, that's a pretty solid start to the day. You're staying <laughs> hydrated, taking showers. I know. Yep. It, in the age of a pandemic, just taking a shower and drinking water is sometimes all you need to do <laughs> to be like above you gotta, everyone else. <laughs> you you got to make the best of a situation, that's for sure. Absolutely. Well, I am happy that you're here to talk to me today. Where are you calling me from? Where Where are you located? Uh, I am in Franklin, Tennessee, which is uh, just outside of Nashville. Okay. Okay. I'm familiar. I'm actually going down to Tennessee next month to uh, go to the venue in Pelham, the caves. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're not. You can't go in the caves for concerts right now, but they're doing a. Uh, they're doing like a, an outdoor socially distanced pod situation oh nice yeah dude i hear yeah. that they're doing i mean i'm always like i'm I'm so like in a literally in a cave myself all the time in the studio and so <laughs> i honestly i'm hearing about all these crazy like drive-in concerts and all these creative ways that people are figuring out how to still you know <laughs> get out there and you know play music and stuff is that like is that a, is that working pretty well I mean, it depends on the thing that you're trying to perform, right? Because some some genres, I would say, lend themselves to this to this new this new age better than others. Like I saw, I saw Mark Rebelay do a drive-in concert back in June, and it was kind of cool because he does like he performs in front of a green screen, so they could use the big the big drive-in screen to kind of blast all of his visuals and stuff. But once he like starts doing his thing, he's in a he's literally in a tent 
filled or surrounded by a green screen. So you don't actually see him performing other than what's being broadcast in front of you. And then you're just sitting in gotcha. your car listening to your car stereo. So there's a little bit of a disconnect where like at first you're like, oh my gosh, it's music. And then you're like, oh, I'm just listening to the radio with my friends watching. watching Got it. Yeah. Um, I wonder, show, yeah. I wonder how they're doing some of that. Yeah. Uh, but I do know that I, I've seen some comedians. I saw Dave Chappelle. I saw a couple others and they're, that's cool. Cause like they get, they get on stage in front of you. You can see them. Everyone's kind of, you, for those events, everyone was sitting outside socially distant, but you can still hear, hear the laughter. So at least you have that like, Oh yeah. Loud feeling when you're in your car and, and the guy on stage perf- stops singing or performing, there's no like applause <laughs> break. It's just like weird silence. Uh. <laughs> yeah so that'd be I'm really excited. bad if you were if you were Go a comedian yeah. you know if you were a comedian and you're listening you know people are listening to cars and the comedian mm-hmm. cannot hear any response or laughter to any jokes yeah. well i've heard that in la when they do the comedy stuff people like they'll they'll flick their headlights like that's like that's the laughing. <laughs> i was like that's that feels awful to me <laughs> that's the universal symbol of laughter in cars is flashing <laughs> your headlights yeah <laughs> yeah now you know now you've learned something i would have um, thought that was clapping but that's good good to know yeah <laughs> uh well i mean i guess if you're a band you got to hope that it's clapping <laughs> i mean if you maybe honking would be a better symbol of laughter in a car right they, you, so what I hear is that they that uh, they'll tell people to save their honks for the end of the show. So like the comedian <laughs> does their big closer, and they're like, "Good night, wherever you are," and then everyone honks their horns. Got it. See, there's so much for me to learn. I'm just yeah. Not it's it's its own language now. So like, if you're bombing <laughs> at a drive-in, it's a whole different kind of bombing. <laughs> That's hilarious. People are throwing tomatoes at their windshield inside. <laughs> They're just, yeah, just wiping their windshield. Everyone uh, drives. Everyone drives home in ketchup. Exactly. Uh, the show in the show in Pelham is an outdoor show. They're going to set up these ten by ten booths, basically that everyone can stand in. You buy tickets in two, four, or six at a time, and you stand in the pods, and then everyone can like. It's all outdoors, so you'll hear. I'm going to see Jason Isbell, so I'll see Jason Isbell perform, and then uh, and then I'll actually hear people you know clapping and singing along. So it'll be a little bit different. Oh man, well that would be awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, and you, you've already kind of told me that you, you're not uh, you're not into the the performing outdoor thing, or you haven't had the chance to do so just yet. You still might. We might be doing this for a while now. Your opportunity may arise in the future. Yeah, maybe. I was uh, I was reading this morning that that uh, some some tours in early 2021 have already started to get canceled, and I was just like, oh man, the driving uh, thing is cool, but we can't do that year round. So <laughs> that's true, <laughs> man. Well, we'll figure out a way. I feel like that's been pretty cool to see through this whole thing. Like, I think every like all the creatives, you know, in town, mm-hmm. they sit at home for a week. And then they're like, I can't do this anymore. And they get all fidgety and, and they go nuts. And so they're like, let's start Zoom writing. Let's start recording remotely. And, and they, everyone's finding a way to still, you know, live concerts on Instagram. Like there's so many ways that people are figuring out a way to adapt. And I feel like they've always done that in the music industry, right? Even with, mm-hmm. you know, streaming and the way things have changed over the years. But like, it's pretty cool to see, you know, how people are adapting and coming up with ways to stay active and still promote their music in a time where the same way the resources aren't available to them. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Plus it, aren't it's available reveal- to them in the same way, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting to see who is, who's handling it well and who isn't 
from every angle. Like there are the people that are like, I, I got to perform because that's, that's how I make my living. But then there, I, I've talked to some artists who have said that like, they're really creatively inspired right now. And they're just like writing so much material. And I've talked to some who are like, I am just banging my head against a wall because I don't know how to write songs about this. <laughs> like I don't know. How, yeah. like I, I'm not able to go out there and get inspiration. So for you <laughs> being a producer and a songwriter now, what, what's been, what's been your, how have your creative juices been, been flowing over the last six months? Man, I feel like they went nuts in a good way. Like mm. I, I think because I, I do a lot of producing for other artists, but I also produce a lot of my own music. Um, some of it's, you know, a lot, of, I do a lot of cinematic music, whether it's for trailers, for movie trailers or TV shows, um, and just put out my own releases of cinematic, you know, songs with artists singing on them or whatever. And, but I'm always behind. And I always have people coming in and they're adding to a plate that's already full, right? And so, I'm like, all right, well, I'll finish the song in a couple <laughs> couple months, which is such a, a drag to pull up a song from three months ago and feel inspired to finish it, right? Like you're kind of in the moment and you want to finish it as quickly as possible. So the when, you know, when the whole, whole everything shut down in the quarantine, I just kind of went, I got right to work on some projects that I've been wanting to get to for a long time. And it just felt like really... I got really deep into it, right? And I was able to catch up on things and start new things and work um, probably more creatively than I had in a long time just because nobody was coming in and interrupting that flow, you know what I mean? And adding to things, adding to the stress. It was like, man, I'm just going, going, going and I, I get to stay in it without any, you know, anyone interrupting. And <laughs> so, you know, for me, just being a hermit in my cave in my studio is just kind of... <laughs> That's like your happy place, right? Like that's kind of what you dream of. You remember, I remember the times when I was a kid and I was in the in my parents' basement with my headphones on by myself making music. And it was like my dream, to, that was my favorite place to be. And I felt like I got to return there for a little bit. And it was, it was pretty amazing, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> How much material do you think you, that you're now just sitting on because you're in various stages of completion or, or it's done and you're like, I don't know what to do with it yet, but I, I'm ready. Do you mean just in general or f from these six months? What? From these six months. We'll start there. <laughs> well, I, well, I have, so I made a massive album during the last <laughs> six months. Like, mo like more, more work into it than I've ever put into anything in my entire life. And I just finished it and I'm actually announcing it next week. So I'm pretty okay. stoked about it. Um, but it's like, I feel like it's my, my life's work. I've never worked harder and, and, or more on anything. And it also absolutely kicked my butt. I mean, it was, it was pretty intense. And all, I mean, I can say that it's just a very collaborative album with a lot of people and it involves a holiday. <laughs> How's that? That's a tease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good tease. I could, I could probably, I mean, there's only so many of those to p choose from, so I can take some guesses. I'm sure it's, it's not, not a it's Memorial not a Day record. Album. <laughs> it's not a Halloween album. Listen, I'm a proponent that someone needs to record a Halloween album eventually and not just an artist who that then becomes their entire career because that's what happens, right? Like if you write a Halloween song, then you're just Rob Zombie for the rest of your life. So you have to, <laughs> right, exactly. uh, I need somebody that's just as like, I need like a Beyonce Halloween record where it's like, no, she's just doing it for this, this season. <laughs> right. That's hilarious. Um, well, tell me about, Oh, before we get to your record, let's, let's talk about the single that people can, can already hear, which is uh, Faking yeah. Love been out for uh 
Lord, a little like six weeks now, more or less. Yeah, um, yeah, I think so. How does it feel to be more or less in the driver's seat of a song versus being on the production side of things for this the past six weeks? Yeah, um, I love it. I mean, I've always, I, I think a lot of people don't even know this. Like, I've always put out my own music. It was just a little different. I mean, when I was, you know, when I was, I'd said when I was a kid in my parents' basement, like, I would make albums of instrumental MIDI music and it was horrible. And I would sell them for $3 to my friends at school. And like, you know, just, <laughs> I started my whole, like, I'm a musician. This is my music thing way back then. And then <clears throat> I started writing songs and traveling with a band and we did that for a while. And then I started producing for other people and I started the cinematic route where I'm doing trailer music, featuring other people. And so, so I kind of always did my own thing as, you know, I've always created music and released music, but I never really did it like officially commercially until now. And I think through working with other artists, you know, I've learned a lot of things. I love collaborating. Like it's my favorite thing, collaborating with different artists. And I have some people, you know, I collaborate regularly with um, all the time, but you know, when you do work for other artists, you know, you're the producer, like, you offer a lot of creativity obviously and you you give suggestions but they're they make the call right they make the final call and so does a lot of times the team involved there's 10 people speaking into the way a song should sound or make these mixed tweaks turn this down we don't like that element mute that track the deadline's tomorrow it's like okay whoa like all this stuff thrown at you and you got to just kind of do it and, you know, people text you at 10 o'clock at night and just say, I really need these files right now. We're doing this, you know. So mm -hmm. there's something refreshing about when, you know, when I'm the artist or whatever, I'm able to say, hey, this is a song that I love. And I want to, you know, produce someone vocally on it to be part of the, you know, the canvas of the song. And everyone's super cool about that. But I don't have all these people saying, turn this down. I don't like that thing that you added. You know, I'm like, I love that thing that I added. And so that's kind of how I want it to sound. You know what I mean? So I like, I, I, there is a difference of just kind of, you know, creating things. Since I, since I do a lot of cinematic sounds in nature, like I, it naturally has, you know, strings in it and brass and, you know, some of these like big choirs and stuff. Some people don't want that in their music, which is totally fine. I totally get it. You know, but that's like the sound that I like. So I can, I can unashamedly add French horns without anyone, you know, raising a flag about it. <laughs> I mean, I think it's kind of beautiful because there are a lot of, especially on the production side of things, there are producers who get known for like something that is, especially when they get known for a really simple idea, then it, then it almost feels like they, they unintentionally put themselves in a box where it's like, I can't get too weird with it because people expect me to give you something very simple and direct that's easy to get on top of. But you, you've built yourself yeah. a career where people are like, no, he's going to go weird with it. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's cool too, because within, like when you're a producer artist, I feel like you have a, a broader range of genre you can play with, right? You can do a song that's like dark and creepy, and then you can do a song that's like beautiful and ballady and gets big with, you know, piano and strings. And they all work within your brand, where other people, you know, the, you know, the Halloween album people, they can't just all of a sudden come and do an Easter album. And then everyone's like confused, like what? That doesn't fit, right? So I think the the producer angle 
gives me a little more room to work within to do different sounds and explore and just kind of each song stands alone in a in a way but there's still a thread of continuity because there's one musician behind all of it you know mm, absolutely i want to talk to you briefly about uh how you got to where you are now because i'm calling you from grand rapids right now so oh man we can make a lot of local references that natalie won't understand (laughs) but we totally do like do you remember the skeletons (laughs) yes yes i do oh my gosh Uh, i didn't even know you were calling from grand rapids yeah, yeah, I'm from I'm from Constantine, which is south of Kalamazoo. But my partner works for Live Nation as a, as a regional box office manager here, based here in Grand Rapids, and so we live in Grand Rapids. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's amazing. I I lived there uh, for thirteen years. Oof, that's that I was, mean that was that was oof. a big part of my musical journey was my Grand Rapids days. That's kind of where I built up everything you know that led me to move to nashville and do what i'm doing now so when did you make the move to nashville um i moved three years ago in 2017 and i was traveling to nashville a ton and it just didn't make sense to keep traveling and leaving my family for you know a week or two at a time Mm -hmm. and then i would just all i would do is come home and finish that stuff that I started in Nashville and then go back and get more songs, you know, write more songs and get add to the plate, <laughs> the pile of work, bring it home to work on it. <clears throat> and, you know, it's like, I had really, really little kids. I still do. But like at the time I just started having kids and they were like crying when I would leave. And I'm like, what? I'm just leaving all the time. Like what? If we just moved there, I wouldn't have to anymore. And um, that's just been amazing. Just everyone I worked with was already here. And so now, you know, it's, way way more convenient to nix the nine hour drive yeah i can imagine like i said no knowing that i'm about to make it in a couple of weeks it is the one thing where i'm like i'm so excited to go oh that drive from grand rapids <laughs> yeah it's there is nothing there's indianapolis louisville and then nashville that's that's all there is to see between the three points <laughs> yes yeah and i um, remember after when i would work in nashville for a whole week i was doing like two sessions every day stay you know i was in the studio till one or two in the morning every night and then i would drive i would make that drive on saturday at the end of the week in absolute silence and not <laughs> I, like i wouldn't want to listen to music i wouldn't listen to anything i would i would just j- my brain was fried and i was just staring straight ahead <laughs> just <laughs> on a silent drive all the way home like detoxing Yes, that's that's one of those things about the music business people don't know is when you spend that long working on something and you have that that drive home, it's always like it's either silent or it's like podcast became a thing at one point. People are like, this is why I like podcasts because I don't have to listen to somebody play the same 12 bars over and over again for six hours. Oh, yeah, no, I completely understand. Mm. Now, when you when you made the move to Nashville, you know, we've all heard the story of uh, I, I decided to make the jump and things didn't didn't uh, move as quickly as I thought they would or mm. the doors didn't open that I did. But it seems like in your case, you made the move because you already kind of hit the ground running by the time you came to Nashville. Like it was ready for you to arrive. Yeah, they basically, when I say they, I guess I mean uh, artists and my publishing company and my label, like everyone that I work with and know here, like everyone was trying to get me to move out here two years earlier. And I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to move to Nashville. I mean, I lived in Michigan my whole life and I just didn't, 
I, I didn't think my wife would want to. I just didn't think I even wanted to. Like, it just didn't feel right. But it got mm-hmm. to the point where, like, I didn't move until I had to move. You know, like, it, Nashville made me move here. It wasn't so much, I'm just going to go and start from scratch and try to make something happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I, I'm, I feel very thankful. Things were kind of moving already, and I just... I really feel like I almost didn't have a choice if I wanted to, <laughs> if I wanted Long. to continue in music like I had to go here, you know. Uh I've read a bunch of th- other conversations that you've had with people and I, and I feel like it's it's interesting to see how with a career like yours people always have like this thing where they're like I can't believe you worked with Migos or or Hunter Hayes or some of like the big names, but maybe it's because I'm from West Michigan and the community that we come from, but there is a part of me that gets most excited cuz I I know of your work with like Toby Mac and I'm just like well, you met Toby Mac being in being in the Midwest, that's oh, a yeah. name that you've known your entire life up to that point. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, for sure, man. I was in Grand Rapids. I was in college. I was a huge Toby Mac fan. You know, right. I listened to a lot of his his music and just yeah, it's really cool. I feel like the industry honestly is like a smaller circle than people think. You yeah. know what I mean? As far as like, it's a little, it's a community. And mm-hmm. when you you know when you're a kid and you dream of being you know making it in the music industry, you view it as like this massive impenetrable fortress that Mm -hmm. you just try everyone tries to get in jump over these walls that are thousand feet high you know and it's like you can't get in it's this big big like machine and then when someone there's a little trap door in the back and someone says hey come on in and you walk in it's like oh it's a small little courtyard and everyone's sitting in a circle drinking tea and everyone knows everyone and everyone's super cool with each other and you just it's like your new family kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it is kind of a, I feel like it's a, <clears throat> a smaller community and just people are aware of people and, you know, word gets around and people love working with different people, you know, from time mm-hmm. to time and collaborating. And that's, that's one of the cool ways that we can make brand new sounds is expanding who we work with, you know? Yeah. And, and Toby's one of those guys that has been doing something similar to you and that he's like open to any idea that you have sonically, musically for a long yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he works really meticulously, like on each, you know, working with him, it showed me like some artists come in and they just like, this is what feels right to come out. Boom, I'm done. And the song's done in a day, you know? Mm hmm. But, you know, other artists and Toby taught me this, which is actually amazing. Like he, he takes his time. He's like, you know what? I, I want to revisit this verse. I think it could be better. I think this could be better. I want to deliver this a different way. I want to change this word. And I was like, oh, I, w- I just wasn't used to that. And then after we spent, you know, eight or nine days on one song, I was like, you know what? That's why he has the career that he does. It's lasted for 20 years because, you know, a lot of the people come in and one day a song is done they have one or two albums and then you don't listen, you don't hear, hear about them anymore, you know? But mm-hmm. I think Toby and a lot of other artists in town, you know, they're, they're meticulous and they care so deeply about every little element in a song. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's what, I mean, that's the difference sometimes, not always, but that's the difference between some artists that have a, you know, a legacy career that's decades long. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As long as they, as long as you can stop from becoming like a snake eating your own tail and can't, can't get to the other <laughs> side of the song, then it's all good. <laughs> exactly. We all, we all wrestle with that. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's the ultimate music industry dilemma is like, how do I push it further, but also know when to say it's done? Yep, totally. (laughs) And it seems like you're figuring it out because let's bring it full circle now. You are about to announce this record. You're putting out your solo stuff. And I imagine as a producer, I always imagine that it's a little bit harder to know when your own stuff is done because this is the thing you're keeping for yourself. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I, I think I have a system that's been working pretty well. I play the song from the beginning. I, you know, you have to have context. You start it mm-hmm. over from the beginning. You play the whole song through. And if you can get through the entire song and like nothing stands out, like, oh, I need something here or that shouldn't be there. And you just kind of listen to it and I didn't, nothing stands out to me. That's when I decide to call it, you know, because if you get way too deep into it and start soloing everything and listening to everything so like closely that like you're way too close to it you can't you don't even know if it's good and sometimes people just change it to change it but it's not actually better <laughs> you know it's just different and you just keep changing it over and over and i think the hardest thing too is you know release you know releasing a song that's so old sometimes like mm-hmm. you make a song and it's, everyone loves their newest thing the best right that's like right. oh i'm playing my new song in my car to listen to it to check a mix or whatever and you're so excited about it if that song doesn't release for eight or nine months, like you're not genuinely as, as excited about the song just because you're, you're working on new stuff. Right. And so most mm-hmm. of the time when, when we release an album or music, any, anyone, it's usually like they're already on to the next thing and they're kind of going through the marketing, you know, circle and schedule because they, they do care about it, obviously, but they're more excited about their newer project. Everyone across the board, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Absolutely. So that's hard. It's, it's, it, is a, it is a weird thing. Even when I'm on the, the press end of things, it, it, you're always talking about, like the album that I have to talk about today in a review that I'll have to write later today is something that I heard three months ago and I'm already on to like December, January stuff in my mind. So I'm like, I mean, this is really oh, yeah. good three months ago when I heard it and I'm glad everyone gets to hear it tomorrow, but wait until this next thing <laughs> that's like on the I know, horizon. I know, that's, <laughs> I know, that's what, that's like the hard part about all this. Like I miss the days when I could make a song and the second I was done with it, I could throw it up on YouTube and release it instantly. And like, there was no, you know, there was no months long lead time and plan, like marketing plan schedule. It was just like, boom, I made this. And it was like instant, (laughs) instantly sharing your newest thing, you know? And that's, I wonder if we could actually find a way to provide that to some artists, you know, because that would be, that's pretty, that's an exciting thing. You're, you know, when you, the closer to finishing the song that you can release it, the more the artist is going to be excited about talking about it and promoting it and sharing it. Mm, absolutely. Like that's the serotonin dump we're all chasing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, exactly, that, exactly. That immediate gratification feeling. And <laughs> I, I, you know, I do a lot of work in, in film too. And I feel even worse when I get to talk to like an actor or something. I'm like, you filmed this thing two years ago, man. Hey, you cannot want to talk about it right now. <laughs> like it's. Oh yeah. They're all make, they've all made two movies since and they're on a yeah. third, you know, and they're mm-hmm. talking about it such an old thing but yeah i mean that's just part of it i understand too it's the dance uh well for you let's talk about your uh, your immediate future so you're gonna you're gonna announce the record really soon what does the rest of the year look like for tommy um promoting said record (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot is going into marketing and promoting this big thing um 
And so I'm actually very excited about that. There's video content, other, all these other really cool ideas that we have. Um, but I'm kind of, I'm so burnt out from it in a, like in a good way. And I'm glad that I spent that time. And so before I jump, jump into something brand new already, like I need, I need to just take some time, just kind of be lighter on my schedule for a little bit, you know, just promote this thing. And just, I'm working with a couple artists right now too, on, you know, some of their stuff, just, I'm I'm kind of trying to slow down in my life for the first time. Uh, it hasn't been going well so far, but I'm working on it. <laughs> that's always that's always the balance, right? Is trying to trying to get to a point where you can you know balance family and life and your sanity with your creativity and your ideas, and and then keeping up with everyone else's demands, you know, across the board. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I don't have a major major project coming up that I'm, I haven't really started working on yet. You know, I think I'm going to just chill and enjoy this one and then see what hits me after this. Well, I love to hear it, man. And I, and I wish you all the best. Can you give us a, a little, a little taste of when we'll hear something new from you? Will it come with the announcement? Um, yes, there will be a small taste with the <laughs> announcement, which, um, you should hear the announcement probably next week. Great. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, if people <laughs> want to keep up with everything Tommy Prophet, where do they find you online? Uh, they can find me pretty much everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and my website. It's all Tommy Prophet. But they spell my name. Tommy is with two E's. With two M's, mm-hmm. two E's. Prophet is one F and two T's. Love it. Love it. Thank no one you, gets uh, that right. So, <laughs> no, I've learned it. I, I it is it, if you get the trick of the double letters, it's easy. <laughs> two two M's, two E's, one F, two T's. I should make a T-shirt that says that. Maybe it actually just says that though. Just that, that, that's yeah, all it yeah. says. Two M's, oh. two E's, one F, two T's. <laughs> I would okay. I would rock this. Um, thank you so much for doing this, Tommy. Uh, we are all set on everything.